Welcome to season two of One in Five, which takes its name from the one in five college students in the U.S. who are also parents. I'm David Kroon from Ascend at the Aspen Institute. This season, remarkable student parents, past and present, share their educational and professional achievements and the pitfalls they've encountered along the way. In this episode, we meet Nicole Akire Grady. Nicole is a mother of five and a student at Sitting Bull College in North Dakota. Higher education was always a top priority for Nicole's parents, and now earning a bachelor's degree is a priority for Nicole. But it wasn't always that way. Painful events knocked her off course, and it took time and the support of loved ones to find her way back. Reporter Ambriel Crutchfield picks up Nicole's story from the beginning on the Standing Rock Indian Reservation. A quick note, this episode contains brief references to child sexual and substance abuse, so please take care of yourself as you listen. Listen with someone who can support you or read the transcript if that's more comfortable for you. Nicole Alkire spent her childhood immersed in nature. She is Lakota, a subset of the Standing Rock Sioux tribe, and grew up on the reservation. Standing Rock straddles the border between North and South Dakota. It's dotted by prairie plains and rolling hills near the Missouri River. But unlike the panoramic surroundings of her youth, some aspects of Nicole's childhood were less than picture perfect. When she was three years old, her father started drinking heavily, which caused problems in his relationship with Nicole's mother. Her parents separated and her father moved out. Nicole stayed with her mother, Tina White Mountain Langang. I never had any problems with her when she was young. <laughs> uh, when she started college, that was a different story. But <laughs> yeah, she was a middle child, so she was pretty, uh, pretty mellow. Nicole's grandparents emphasized the importance of knowing and honoring their culture as Lakota. She says the most important value in her life has been... Be honest about who you are. You know, in the end, that's that's what's going to matter is like your integrity. And you always want to carry that with you. You always want to hold that close to you. As much as other people are maybe lying to you or whatever else, like you just always want to keep that like authentic in yourself. Nicole says she struggled as an adult to uphold this value because of childhood trauma. She says she was sexually abused when she was between 8 and 10 years old by a family member at her maternal grandparents' house. At first, she told no one what happened until the summer before her first year of high school. Nicole opened up to her best friend. They were resting on a trampoline and the sun was starting to rise. She was like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, and I mean, it was a long pause, but, you know, we just hugged each other. And and then we just never talked about it again. According to the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, one third of sexual assault survivors, women and girls, say they were assaulted or raped for the first time between the ages of 11 and 17. So I guess living in that that shameful feeling. But I didn't really know it was shame until I got older. After telling her best friend, she wouldn't open up again until adulthood. Nicole is 5'4 with straight brown hair that reaches past her shoulders. As a budding athlete, 
sports teams capture Nicole's attention. In high school, she played for the Standing Rock High School Warriors on the volleyball and basketball teams. Eventually, she added golf and played all three sports during the school year and competed in the Class B Girls Golf Tournament. I also like loved like school subjects, math, reading, science. I always did pretty well in school. And when it came to sports, um, maybe that's why I also excelled in school is because you had to do good in school to be in sports. That ethos was passed down in her family. Tina says that her father instilled the importance of getting an education in her family. I thought it was something that he was teaching us to provide for ourselves with our education. You know, um, I guess have better jobs. Growing up, Nicole saw her mom work eight-hour shifts and then go to class two or three times a week to earn her bachelor's degree. She says she admired Tina's hustle as a single parent trying to provide a better life for her children. Throughout high school, Nicole remained a top student and athlete, even though she says she occasionally drank at social gatherings. She says she started dating guys as a distraction from the trauma of being sexually abused and to drown out memories of her father's alcoholism. Eventually, both would alter her life plans. Nicole's mother, Tina, remembers the night of the Lakota Nation Basketball Invitational in Rapid City, South Dakota. Nicole's brother had traveled from Colorado for the game, and Nicole didn't disappoint as a starter on the team. In fact, her mother says it was her best game. So she was surprised when later that evening... I got a call from the coach telling me that she was in the emergency room. I panicked. I didn't know what was going on. I went there, and she calmed me down. She said, "Um, Nicole has something to tell you. It was just Tina and Nicole's older brother in the room when Nicole told them she was pregnant. I broke down. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, I I just, I was just uh, shocked and mostly shocked. (laughs) But, um, you know, I had my emotions and everything that night. At that point, Nicole had been in a two and a half year relationship with her boyfriend. On Christmas Day, 2006, Nicole gave birth to her daughter, Layla, who was born four months early. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention reports teenagers are one of the groups with increased odds of having premature births. Tina knew that teenage mothers sometimes had tougher pregnancies. So she had a lot of support for me, especially with Layla being born so, you know, premature. I was very um, overprotective of her, I guess. Tina bought clothes and diapers. She also made sure Layla got to and from daycare. Fortunately, Layla's paternal grandmother ran a licensed daycare, and when that wasn't open, she'd go with her dad. During this time, Nicole was still in a relationship with Layla's father. In 2008, the support from multiple family members allowed Nicole to focus on her senior year of high school and compete in basketball and golf. But one year after Layla was born, Nicole gave birth to her second child, Gunner. After this, she was no longer allowed to play on the basketball team. I guess I understood. My mom was really upset with me. I don't think she talked to me for a long time after she found out I was pregnant with my son. Um, And then, like a lot of older adults, I just felt that 
they were all disappointed in me. So I just was disappointed in myself in turn. So Nicole put all her energy into academics and did her best to avoid her teachers and classmates. The lack of support didn't limit her big dreams. The following spring, she applied to several colleges. My mom gave me the letter and she was like, I didn't know you were applying here, you know, and she just gave me this crazy look, but she was just like smiling. I thought it was going to say like, you've not been accepted. So when I took it into the room and I read it and I remember I was just like so happy. Against all odds, Nicole was accepted into her dream school, New York University. Even though she and her mom celebrated with a hug, Nicole knew in her gut that NYU wasn't an option. She knew that moving far away to a big city with two kids with a basic financial aid package wouldn't be enough to support her family. So Nicole decided to go 200 miles west to Bismarck State College and study nursing part-time. She chose the smaller school because it was affordable and would allow her to be closer to home. Plus, she'd already earned some college credits from a dual enrollment program in high school. And her mom was an inspiration. So I knew that, like, no matter the what obstacles were thrown in my way in my academic career, like, I could still get through it because if my mom was able to do it, I could do it. When Nicole crossed the graduation stage in 2008, she was recognized as the class salutatorian. Right after high school, while transitioning into college, Nicole got straight to work as a full-time records clerk at a government hospital. She continued until it was time for school to start. Then she drove back and forth from Bismarck to Standing Rock, which was about two hours away. I thought I could be Superwoman and do like the 8 to 4.30 and then go to school at like, I think my class started at like 5.30 or 6. And it always went until like 9 p.m. I would do my homework, which would be till about midnight. And then I would get back up at six o'clock and then get ready and then head, head out of town by like 6.30, 7 o'clock. A schedule like that may work on paper, but in reality, with two children, the end result for Nicole was burnout. And she says her worsening relationship with Layla and Gunnar's father was weighing her down. They broke things off in 2009 and the children stayed with her. Then in 2010, during her sophomore year, Nicole moved back to Fargo and transferred to North Dakota State University. Nicole was familiar with the school. While she was in grade school, her mother and siblings moved almost five hours away from Standing Rock to Fargo so her mom could take classes. Though the university had a childcare facility while Nicole was on campus, there wasn't room for both of her kids. So she took Gunner with her to Fargo while Layla moved in with Grandma Tina. The arrangement was supposed to be temporary while Nicole found a place where she could keep both children. But it didn't really happen that way. I actually struggled um, while I was up there with Gunner and I didn't really do too well in school and I didn't really like have any friends in Fargo. I didn't really think about that. Uh, so it was just really lonely for me just having me and my son there. I mean, I really miss Layla too. By the summer of 2012, Nicole had figured out her childcare situation and moved Layla to Fargo. By the following fall, Layla and Gunnar were in grade school. 
which allowed Nicole to attend classes during the day and to work in the evenings. They stayed in Fargo for a year and a half, while Nicole made progress towards her bachelor's degree. Soon, Nicole started dating someone and drinking frequently. During her junior year of college, Nicole says she'd become addicted to alcohol. She'd also been in a relationship for seven months and told herself that she had the drinking under control. But looking back, you know, and seeing now, it's like I didn't. And I actually was, I dropped out of college by then. Um, I was barely even keeping the job that I had. And we were just barely living. I was living like paycheck to paycheck. So Nicole took almost a three-year break from school. After leaving school, she gave birth to her third child, Nora, and found herself in an unsustainable situation with her boyfriend. Although her boyfriend was struggling with his own addiction, he moved with their daughter, Nora, to be near his family in Minot, North Dakota. It just was like, it was really heartbreaking for me. I had to go to counseling whenever he left. I ended up checking myself. I went into an evaluation. Um, I told him that I did have a problem. So I was trying to get all this help by myself. Nicole's mother, Tina, was the only person who knew that she was struggling with substance abuse while trying to maintain custody of her youngest child, that Lakota self-authenticity that Nicole said she'd always prided herself on. I always said it and I always preached it, but it really wasn't that important to me until two years ago, two and a half years ago, because I was like lying about who I was, about what I was doing every, like every day. I was just trying to paint this picture that I was like the perfect mom, um, I don't have this drinking problem. I don't have a drug problem. Her cultural pride and the value she placed in honesty pushed her to a fresh start. The first time Nicole started getting help with her substance abuse was at the South Central Human Service Center through the North Dakota Department of Human Services. The program staff works with low-income families to pay for addiction treatment and counseling. The addiction center estimates that outpatient rehab what Nicole calls aftercare, cost $5,000 for a three-month program. For her, the program was free. Nicole really wanted help, but there was a long waiting list. They knew that, like, inpatient wasn't on the table for me because I had kids at home. So they recommended the aftercare. So every day, she'd go to Alcoholics Anonymous for two hours to share her story and to hear other people's struggles. I kind of stayed quiet for, I think, like the first two sessions. It was nice to be in a room full of people that were almost going through or had went through the same thing that I did, whether it be in my addiction or in my childhood. And Nicole says she began to realize just how much being sexually abused marked her childhood and led to drinking in the eighth grade. I can't even imagine my um, freshman son or my sophomore, my daughter, I can't imagine them drinking now or sneaking out and doing that. They're just, they're, they're totally in a different zone than when I was in that age. For a while, Nicole was on a roller coaster in her personal life. She moved several times, and her relationship with Nora's father 
was full of starts and stops, but this was all pushing her closer to prioritizing her education and finding her internal motivation. A major kickstart was moving to Bismarck where Nicole returned to therapy at the Village Family Service Center, an outpatient program. Outside of that, Nicole's family, especially her younger sister, Savannah, offered her advice and tools. Whenever um, I came into my sobriety and started coming back around, she really did have a lot of good like therapy techniques. She got me my own journal. She got me a book just about self-love. In time, things started to turn around for Nicole. In 2020, she and Nora's dad, Morgan, were married. And then Nicole had a conversation with her mother. Tina had attended and worked at Sitting Bull, which is a tribal college with two locations on the Standing Rock Reservation. So Tina was able to tell Nicole about scholarships and student housing opportunities. My mom was like, I think there's houses down here at Sitting Bull College. And that's where we're from. And yeah, and she was like, there's just, you know, she mentioned more help is what she said down down here. And I was like, yeah, maybe. Her husband Morgan was also urging her to enroll in school again. When Nicole visited the college, she was worried about financial barriers. She had a past due bill from North Dakota State that was almost $4,000 and no access to federal aid. But a financial aid officer armed her with information to ease the anxiety. All of these questions I had, and she had like a good answer for every one of them. It was, well, if you don't have funding now, you know, like you can get funding at the end of the semester if you apply for it. Here's some scholarships. Nicole chose to attend Sitting Bull College for several reasons. The school offered housing opportunities. It was a chance to complete an associate's degree program with fewer barriers. And Sitting Bull was her mother's alma mater. Nicole's tribe gave her money from its COVID Relief Hardship Assistance Program, which helped pay off her bill from North Dakota State. It just felt like I was in the right place at the right time, or it was just supposed to happen. You know, it was in my plan. <laughs> but she didn't want to transfer her North Dakota State credits and risk tanking her overall GPA. So she restarted her higher education journey from square one. Nicole is focusing on making each credit count in her associate's degree. The move back home brought her closer to her family and opened up doors to many opportunities. Nicole says her legacy is top of mind. I hope would be just for my children to want to be educated, like be a lifelong student in life and in whatever they, they're passionate about. I know that from a young age, I wanted to help people. And my path has never been like this straightforward path. Before sobriety, Nicole says her motivation to stay in school was mostly her family and children. But now she's also motivated to serve her community as a lawyer. She's currently taking classes to complete her associate's degree in criminal justice. Nicole is considering whether her focus will be Indian, environmental, or human rights law. Nicole says, although there are different firms that are familiar with Native American issues, it doesn't mean they are embedded in indigenous communities 
or intimately familiar with the culture. But they don't know what this person is going through or what they have at home or what they don't have at home. I think that just knowing that somebody has the same background as you and they're helping you with legal advice, they're going to want to help you more. Her family cheers her on for being a Native woman who's chosen to enter the legal field to help her community. The number one thing is, you know, no matter what you've been through and how painful it was or how hard it was for you to get through that, there's always a way forward. And I do believe that having your education is so important going through in life. I tried to do it (laughs) for 10 years, you know, without an education. I tried doing these small jobs. And yeah, I, I was making a living, but it just wasn't what I really wanted to be doing. Nicole is carrying on a family tradition of instilling how school can be a tool to live out your dreams. Recently, she was doing one of her check-ins with Layla and Gunnar, who are in high school. Have you decided, have you thought about where you're going to go to college yet? <laughs> and they're like, no, no, I haven't. Not yet, but it's coming. They, they gave me a couple schools and I don't know. They just think it's so funny that I'm like talking to it about it now, but I'm like, it's going to come fast. And once it does, you're not going to be mad at me. You're going to thank me. <laughs> Nicole's mother, Tina, is beaming. You know, Nicole has come a long way from high school. I thought she was lost and turned to alcohol. And, you know, she has come a long way and I am so proud of her. I'm very proud of my daughter to where she's at right now. I was proud of her then. You know, I never lost that, but I'm very proud of her now. I'm sorry. Nicole is the recipient of multiple scholarships, including the American Indian College Fund's Full Circle and the Massachusetts Indian Association Scholarship. She's putting her energy into her community as a member of the Standing Rock Sioux Tribal Department of Education and as a student government president. She also works at the first financial institution on Standing Rock. As she completes her associate's degree and continues on the journey of going to law school, Nicole wants to return to North Dakota State University. Nicole sees it as an opportunity to complete her bachelor's degree as the top student that she is. Nicole Alkaya Grady is a mother and student at Sitting Bull College. Anyone affected by sexual assault, whether it happened to you or someone you care about, can find support on the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-HOPE. Thank you for listening. One in Five is produced by LWC Studios and presented by Ascend at the Aspen Institute, which is a catalyst and convener for systems, policy, and social impact leaders working to create a society where every family passes a legacy of prosperity and well-being from one generation to the next. To learn more about student parents and resources for them, please visit ascend.aspeninstitute.org and follow at Aspen Ascend on Twitter. Ambriel Crutchfield produced this episode. Editors are Monica Lopez and Juleka Lantigua. 
Paulina Velasco is our managing producer. Our theme song is Ascenders by Kojin Tashiro, who also mixed this episode. Catherine Nuhan fact-checked it. I'm David Kroon. Subscribe to One in Five on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. 